0: Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we will be discussing Brazil. My name is Shelley Shetty, and I'm a managing director and head of Americas in Asia sovereign ratings. I'm happy to be joined today by Todd Martinez, co-head of the Americas and the primary analyst for Brazil. Now, by background, Brazil is currently rated minus with stable outlook, uh, which we last affirmed in December 2022. As you all know, on January 1st, President Lula took office for the third time after winning the election last October by a fairly narrow margin against the former President Jair Bolsonaro. The immense polarization and division among the electorate uh, was revealed yet again by the electoral results. Policy uncertainties have also risen since the conclusion of the electoral process. So, today we are going to discuss the implications of the new government of President Lula for Brazil's economy and rating trajectory. So, Todd, let's start with the current macroeconomic outlook for Brazil. Uh, What kind of economy will President Lula be inheriting?
1: Thanks, Shelley. Good to be here and catch up on Brazil. Yeah, before talking about Lula, I think the economy he's inheriting is a good place to start. And there's a pretty nuanced story here. On one hand, a snapshot of some of the numbers from 2022 paint a pretty good picture. Real GDP growth was around 3 percent, and we'd expected something far below that early in the year, and some were even penciling in a recession. So that's a pretty big outperformance. Uh, The labor market's been pretty strong. Unemployment has fallen to around 8%, and that's its lowest level since 2015. But dig a little deeper, and there are some challenges. You know, growth of 3% last year um, reflects a a pretty significant cooling off towards the end of the year, and the numbers coming in for Q4 haven't been very good. So it looks like this post-pandemic catch-up effect has really played out tight monetary policy could be taking a bite and it's not looking like it's going to be a very good 2023 we project growth of 0.7 and also GDP is a summary statistic might hide a more complex reality and as Lula's pointed out you know poverty rose through the course of the pandemic in other respects inflation there was a big reduction in 2022 but a big part of the reason for that was fuel tax cuts uh, and some underlying pressures remain so the Central Bank is not entirely out of the woods yet. Uh, And in external finances, yeah, we estimate a current account deficit of around 3% of GDP, but entirely financed by FDI. So this remains a point of strength for Brazil.
0: So Todd, you just highlighted that the economy outperformed in 2022. Uh, What about fiscal accounts performance in 2022? And more generally, how has the fiscal consolidation process progressed in Brazil since the large deficits that we saw in Brazil during the pandemic?
1: So I think there's a similarly nuanced story in regard to public finances. On one hand, we estimate that the general government primary balance reached a 1.3% of GDP surplus last year. And that's actually the best it's been since 2013, before Brazil's crisis and its many ratings downgrades. And it also meant that there was another big reduction in debt to GDP to 74%, uh, which is pretty remarkable. It means Brazil was able to get that ratio back to its pre-pandemic level, despite a pretty huge fiscal package that it implemented during that time. Uh, But dig a little deeper and we do see a more precarious position. You know, Even before Lula took office, the fiscal balance was on track for a big deterioration this year. On one hand, because part of the improvement in past years was due to this remarkable outperformance in revenues, which had something to do with higher commodity prices, this post-pandemic surge in consumption. And so we expect that is going to cool off. Uh, but also because the outgoing government implemented a lot of fiscal measures that you know were said to be temporary at the time, but always looked likely to be permanent. So we're going to see the full year effect of those in 2023. And of course, Lula's already um, delivered some additional spending measures of his own. So we expect a big erosion of the, of the primary balance this year to a 1% of GDP deficit.
0: Now, Todd, let's discuss the policy orientation of the new Lula administration. What are the main macro and fiscal priorities of this administration? What are the early policy signals and key appointments in the economic team telling you? And also it'd be good if you can highlight uh, some of the main challenges and risks that you and investors are concerned about.
1: So we still don't think that there's going to be major deviations in terms of macro policy under Lula. But that said, I have to admit there's been quite a bit more noise on the fiscal front than we might have expected, um, given the signals so far have been pretty mixed. You know, in terms of appointments for key economic posts, I don't really know if these send a strong signal either way, because Lula mostly chose close political allies rather than technocrats for key positions like finance minister. And then in terms of rhetoric, you know, different members of the cabinet have had somewhat conflicting uh, statements about some fiscal issues. And Lula himself has sung pretty different tunes about fiscal responsibility at times. Um, And then in terms of actions, you know, so far we've only seen measures that add to fiscal pressures. You know, notably the incoming government negotiated a 1.7% of GDP relaxation in the spending cap to accommodate its spending priorities this year and then it also extended fuel tax cuts further into 2023 it's promised some offsetting consolidation measures but um you know these these are still yet to be delivered uh, but without a doubt i think the key thing that we and everyone else is waiting for is what the government proposes in terms of a new fiscal framework to replace the spending cap which has been pretty critical of you know this will be a pretty crucial determinant of debt dynamics because not only does you know the fiscal anchor Um, determine what the eventual primary balances are going to be. But reducing uncertainty around the fiscal path could also reduce upward pressure on borrowing costs and, and thus on the government's interest bill. And then just briefly on monetary policy, you know, we have every expectation that this is going to remain prudent under the very credible and autonomous central bank. But that said, you know, this is also subject to some uncertainty. Um, from the spillovers that, that fiscal issues pose. And, you know, it kind of as a result of these uncertainties, we've already seen some uptick in market expectations about inflation and interest rates.
0: Now, shifting gears to microeconomic and the broader reform agenda, are there areas of concerns here? And do you see impedes for broader economic reforms under the Lula administration?
1: So we do expect a pretty meaningful leftward shift in the micro agenda. But right now i'd say there's reasons to think this could be more gradual than abrupt first of all lula's been critical of a lot of the liberal reforms enacted in past years but he's also signaled he won't overturn them and i think that's a pretty big difference from amlo in mexico for example his team is saying it wants to make changes to labor laws but right now it seems like that might be more tweaks than a big overhaul of the 2017 labor reform And he's also declared a halt to new privatizations, but he's not going to undo past ones like that of Electrobras. Second, Lula really doesn't have a big reform agenda of his own. The main thing I can really point to is something that was already under consideration in the past government, and that's a tax reform. You know, this is probably going to seek to reduce complexity and increase progressivity. It might also aim for an increase in the overall tax burden to pay for social priorities, though the political viability of that is a little less clear. And then given Lula doesn't have strong control of Congress, you know, the micro policy action may instead be around areas of executive discretion. And as you asked about, you know, I think policy towards SOE is going to be key here. Lula has been advocating a bigger role for companies like Petrobras, the oil company, and the Bindis Bank in spurring investment and development. And their balance sheets are in great shape. So, you know, I think the government sees room for this. But at the same time, it's not so clear that there are strong financial incentives for that, because, you know, getting these companies to invest more or focus on social outcomes rather than profits, you know, does mean an opportunity cost for the government in terms of lower dividends. So while we don't expect a wholesale return to the, you know, pretty aggressive interventionism and quasi fiscal policy that, you know, we've seen in the past in Brazil, this is obviously a a key area to watch.
0: Now, pivoting to politics, uh, how do you see governability evolving under President Lula, given the congressional makeup? Uh, Do you see Congress being an important source of check for the new administration?
1: So regarding Congress, while Lula did win the presidential election, conservative parties allied with his opponent, Jair Bolsonaro, actually gained seats in Congress. So this probably represents a pretty meaningful constraint for Lula. means he's going to have to have pretty skilled negotiation with parties in the center to get things done. And, you know, and that could be relevant for reform efforts like the tax reform could make them harder to pass or could lead Lula to have to moderate them in some way. But what's less likely in our view is that this is going to pose some sort of strong check for fiscal discipline. You know, in the past year, parties in the center and even conservative parties have proven to be quite amenable to tax cuts and spending increases. And then on broader social stability, you know, clearly some concerns here. Um, Lula won the election by a pretty narrow margin. It was a very polarized election. And the polarization has manifested in a pretty violent fashion recently with this storming of, of the Capitol by supporters of the ex-president Bolsonaro. So, you know, the real implications of this are unclear. You know, could it affect the policy agenda? Could it be a distraction from the policy agenda? Could it strengthen Lula's political standing potentially? You know, we're we're not sure yet. But, you know, right now, we don't think this has clear ratings implications, but obviously it's reflective of governance challenges that we think are already pretty well incorporated in Brazil's rating.
0: Finally, Todd, before we end, as you look ahead at Brazil in the coming years, what would be the main factors that could lead to upward or downward pressure on the rating?
1: So I think the key behind the stable outlook on our B-minus rating is that even though we still see important growth and fiscal challenges in Brazil, we don't foresee policy changes that are gonna majorly aggravate or, or improve these. So the things that could move the rating in either direction are really the mirror images of each other. On the negative side, if we see developments that undermine public finances and over the medium term, you know, not only is this gonna mean higher primary deficits, but it's gonna put upward pressure on borrowing costs, could undermine growth, you know, and all of that is is a negative feedback loop for public debt sustainability that could put downward pressure on the rating. But conversely, on the positive side, if there are measures to improve public finances and anchor medium-term expectations, potentially reforms and other developments that also improve microeconomic prospects, you know all of this could lead to a virtuous cycle in which there's better primary balances, lower borrowing costs, and growth. And that's something that could help stabilize debt and put upward pressure on the rating.
0: Thanks a lot, Todd, for your insights. Uh, Thank you for listening and for more on Brazil. You can access our research on our website, FitchRatings.com. I hope you will join us for the next edition of Fixed Interest. Thank you.